Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our pleasure to welcome you to the program. Please stay with us for this hour as we are going to open the Bible again and study God's Word. We've been through a series of uh, programs under this theme, God's Mission, My Mission. Today we are going to learn about the end of God's mission. You know, God always have a plan for us all. I wonder if we are tuned in with God's plan. I'd like to say hello to our uh, panel. It's good to have with us today, Will. Thank you, Nick. It's good to be part of the program. Hello, Denise. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Nick. Very happy to be here. Jed, it's good to have you too. Thank you, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Lija, thank you for joining us. I feel very blessed. Thank you, Nick. Hi, Len. It's good to have you with us today. Yes. Hello, listeners, and I'm glad you've joined us. Joe, thank you for joining. Thank you, Nick. Uh, it's always a pleasure and a privilege. I'll come back to you, uh, Len, because you are going to facilitate this discussion today. And... Um, I'd like to say uh, thank you for uh, preparing this study. Uh, as I said, uh, we are going to um, uh, conclude our series of Bible studies under this theme, God's Mission, My Mission. Would you like to take us through, please? I'd be delighted to. Well, listeners, during the last 12 weeks, our panel Bible study discussions have centered around, as Nick just said, God's Mission, my mission. And today we wrap up this series of studies and we'll focus on the end of God's mission. By implication, that also includes the end of our mission. Of course, this all stands to reason. Take, for example, a bushfire. When the fire starts and while it rages, the mission of the country fire services is to control and extinguish the fire. When the fire is extinguished, that particular mission is ended. A time is coming when the earnest endeavour to save lost souls will be called to a halt. Jesus will come again to take the redeemed home to heaven. Satan and his evil angels will be destroyed and life as we now know it will be no more. The destiny of every person to either eternal life or eternal death will depend on the choices they make. Today, the substance of our discussion includes our part in making God's final call to the inhabitants of this tired old world. And before we start opening God's word, it would be very appropriate that we pray together. Would you join us? Thank you, Will. Dear Lord, thank you for including us in the Great Commission, the commission of bringing the hope of the gospel to the whole world. May we represent Jesus in our family circle, our neighborhood, and wherever you may wish to, for us to share the three angels' messages in the critical time in which we live. We pray it in the enabling name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you, Will. Well, now, Jerry, we're going to start at the end because we're talking about the end of the mission. And we're looking at the end book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And in there, I'd like you to tell us what this book of Revelation is all about, who is the central figure, and what blessings are included. Yes, Len, I'll I'll read those first three verses, uh, and I'm reading from the clear word paraphrase, and it says there, This book is a revelation of what Jesus Christ is doing and of the things God told him to share with us, which must begin to come to pass. He sent his angel to show these things to his servant John. John wrote down everything he saw, just as he was told. Thus, this book is the testimony of Jesus and tells us what God wants us to know. Blessed is the one who reads the prophecy of this book. Blessed are those who listen in order to understand, and blessed are those who take it to heart, especially at the time of the end. So the Greek word apocalypsis, from which we get the word apocalypse or revelation, literally means an unveiling. And in religious literature especially, it means an unveiling of the future, culminating in the triumph of Jesus Christ. At the heart of the message of Revelation is the theme of the great controversy between Christ and his faithful followers on the one hand, and Satan and all of those who, either by choice or by deception, follow him. The Revelation spans the history of the Christian church from the time when John lived right down to the time in which we live, and ultimately to the total collapse and destruction of this world and the recreation of the new. Now, the central figure in the book is Jesus Christ. It is the testimony of and about Jesus and tells us what God wants us to know. It says in verse 3, Blessed or happy is the one who reads the prophecy of this book, who listens in order to understand, and who takes it to heart. We are in a constant battle with the powers of darkness. Satan wants to keep us in the dark, but God wants to expose Satan by revealing his lies and deceptions. So it is a very good thing to take notice of what we read in the book of Revelation. Forewarned is forearmed, and we we are so blessed to have this word. Yes, thank you, Jerry. Now, listeners, if you want a blessing, there's a promised blessing in verse 3 that Jerry just read. It says, Blessed are those who read and take to heart what is written in this book. Of course, a lot of people, they they don't understand it because you really need to dig in and make comparisons. But there's a blessing there. Now, Denise, in verse 4, identifies a mystery character. Well, perhaps not so mysterious to those who know the Bible. It describes him as someone who is, who was, and who's yet to come. Who's this character? Well, Len, um, those expressions, someone who is, was, and yet to come, are eternal expressions. 
So they're talking about a person who has always existed, who came, who lived and died, and who is coming again. So uh, this person is spoken of as God, but we know that Jesus was God's son. And we know also from what Jerry said that Revelation is about revealing who Jesus Christ is. And if we look a bit further on, it says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and we know that that refers to Jesus who died for us, and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. And then in verse 7 it says, look, he is coming with the clouds. So this is uh, who is to come. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him or crucified him. So it's obvious that this person that's being spoken about here is Jesus. And that's wonderful because if we uh, go back to the beginning of the Bible and in there we read of how God made this world good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't corrupted it wasn't deficient in any way he made it good and then of course satan tricked adam and eve into believing him and he became then the prince of this world now lydia that's not the case now although satan is still very active at what point did god reclaim the legal ownership of this world well, then we know that when the first pair fall into sin, the prince of this world, the devil, became the ruler of this earth. But God reclaimed the ownership, the legal ownership of this world when Jesus Christ, his beloved son, died but was resurrected to life because he was, he didn't sin. Yes. And this is very important to realize that this world has been reclaimed through Jesus Christ, and that means you and me. Yes, Nick? Very interesting point here because, uh, you know, if we think about that, God never lost the dominion, if you like, on uh, on his creation. Just apparently, you know, uh, because uh, Satan was just uh, accusing God and then claiming that because the human beings, you know, listening to his deceiveness, then belong to him. But actually, God was always in control. But I would like to say officially, put it this way, officially, on the Golgotha, God, you know, uh, once and for all, make it clear who is in control. And I believe this is very important. And, you know, many things, even for us today, we need to do some things um, officially. And I'll maybe it's a bit of a sidetrack here, but I like to mention this. I came across many people saying that they will give their heart to God and uh, we're talking about things. And when we talk about baptism, they said, oh, maybe another time. But, you know, baptism, it's a public declaration about your faith. And that's what I see, what Lydia was just sharing here, that uh, at Golgotha, God clarified that thing, if there was any doubt in the minds of humankind. All right, thank you for that. Well, now, we're talking today about the end of God's mission. Nick, would you like to remind us what God's mission is? Well, uh, again, uh, uh, Len and panel, 
in uh, if I read in First uh, Timothy a passage here, it says, um, "Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth?" I mean, that's God' uh, desire. In the previous verse, actually says, "For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, to have all men saved." God's mission. We are talking about that. Uh, God is fulfilling his mission and he will love my dear friend listening today that you will accept his invitation to be saved and to live with him for eternity. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? God doesn't want us to die in despair or misery or pain or whatever. God has something better in mind. You know, we're on the just about to begin a new year. And I believe that for some of you, you need to begin a new life, to begin a life with God, because God earnestly desires you to accept his um, beautiful mission, to accept the beautiful things he has in mind for you. All right, well, now... In Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, there's an outline of the outcome of Christ's mission. Joe, would you like to present to us what is the outcome or outcomes of God's mission? Verses 5 and 6 of Revelation 1 give us more information about how we are involved in this process and how we are connected to Jesus in the big picture of salvation. And I'll read these texts, verses 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now, Jesus has freed us from our sin. That's what the text tells us. But he doesn't leave it there. He has called us to be an extension of his own priesthood, agents of his mercy. We will remember that Jesus is our great high priest who has ascended into heaven, or the great priest. And I'm quoting from Hebrews 4.14. Now, this was first promised to Israel in Exodus 19, verse 6, where he speaks to them and says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, we know from Scripture that Jesus came. We know that they failed. He came to his own and his own rejected him. And it doesn't fail there. It continues. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it tells us, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, and so forth. It has always been God's desire that he have a people with a special ministry, agents of his grace to serve fellow sinners. In this, we represent God to man and man to God. We serve God and humanity. And all may offer the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, all have direct access to God and to minister to others and on behalf of others in prayer, in personal effort on behalf of others, being a sweet fragrance in the lives of others. So we are not saved only, but transformed, ennobled, enabled, and elevated I would say, into the highest position available to a human. 
And just going back to your metaphor earlier, would it be safe to say that we play a vital part in putting out the fire? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the bushfire metaphor that you used earlier on. Yes. Well, thank you, Joe. Yes, God has certainly called us to live on a higher plane here and now, but to also have eternal life. And as it's put in those verses, to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Now, there are some warnings given in the Bible which um, apply to those who would be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. Will, would you like to uh, share with us about those warnings? Because some people think they're on the right track, but there is a wrong track for them to follow also. Over to you, Will. uh, It is certainly true that there is a right and a wrong, wrong track, Len. I'd like to refer to Revelation 14, from verses 6 to 12, a summary, if you wish. Um, God in his mercy sends a last warning message to the world before Earth's history as we know it comes to a close. It's a clear, distinct message depicted in the Bible as three angels flying over the Earth with a loud proclamation. The first angel proclaims the everlasting gospel and calls for the restoration of the true worship of God as a creator, because the judgment hour has arrived. This involves inviting the world to worship on the true Sabbath, Sabbath of the Lord, that's Saturday. The second angel's message warns against all humanity or humanly originated forms of worship man-made worship and beliefs that are not based completely on the word of God. In short, in these last days, there will be a false system of worship that is offensive to God. The third angel's message primarily proclaims God's solemn warning against worshipping the beast and his image. It's a question that each one of us have to ask. Who will we worship? You see, the third angel's message demands a decision. It divides the entire world into two groups. On the one side stand apostate Christians who worship the beast and his image and receive the mark, uh, his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. Now, on the the other side, stand those who reject the authority of the beast, and these are the saints who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The one group is ushered into life with Jesus for eternity. The other face final annihilation and have no part in the reward of the righteous. Clearly, Len, this chapter these three angels' messages, is a message of grave import and there is an urgency to present it to the world. And I think this is what Seventh-day Adventists believe to be their divine commission. 
Thank you, Will. That was very beautifully stated. Nick, you would like to add a comment. Yes, Len. Uh, um, as Will was um, reading and mentioning those uh, verses in Revelation 14, I remember um, an experience I had. I may have been sharing this before, but just briefly I want to remind uh, us all again how important is that passage in Revelation 14, because, uh, you know, we can talk about um, things, even mentioning triangel message and all those things. Not everyone may be familiar with that, but I'll invite you, my dear friend, to look into it and really understand is the the beauty of God's plan of salvation in just few verses. And uh, I remember that some while ago when we were doing some Bible study like this, and Len, you mentioned that there are many people who think that they have everything right or they do things right, but maybe that's not the case. And we are about six or seven denominations together studying the Bible. And there was a question, Nick, what's the true church? Because we are here from so many churches and we have differences. And which one is the true church? And then I start to uh, name each one of the church, you know, and I said, you know, the true church is the church of Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is to follow Jesus. And uh, I said to the Orthodox, I said, you know, we need to have orthodoxa, right teachings. I used to say to the Pentecostal, we had, we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit. To the Baptists, love of God. To the Catholics, we need to be universal. United together, not in ecumenism, but united in, in uh, our beliefs and so on and so forth. I went through all the people represented there and they asked me a question at the end because I didn't say anything about the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And Will, you just mentioned about that uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has been called uh, for a special purpose. And at that time, not even planning much or thinking much, I believe the Holy Spirit just guided me into that, I opened the Bible and I read Revelation 14, 6 to 12. And then I let everyone consider that. And we talked later on, we talked about these things. Present truth, we mentioned this sometime. If we look in Revelation 14, that's what it is, and we are called to stand for that. Many people do different things today. But we are called to bring the light, to put it up there for everyone to be seen. Yes, thank you for that, Nick. Yes, Jerry. Just quickly, Lynn, prophecy is often called history in advance. Bible prophecy, God knows what's coming. Only God knows what's coming. But how merciful is he to prepare us for what's coming through his word? And in uh, Revelation 14 especially, uh, Will alluded to the three angels' messages and the importance of them. It's it's like the final climax, the final confrontation, if you like, that we are heading for. And how people respond to that will determine their eternal destiny. So I can't think of anything more important than to, to uh, study this word and to understand what it means god wants us to know as we read in the first three verses of revelation chapter one god wants us to know and how happy and blessed we are if we can read and understand what it is 
that is coming and prepare for what is coming and know that um, that there is a truth out there that we must embrace if we are to be saved. This is the time in which we live in now. The, this, this last message, God's final call, is for our time. And I can't think of anything more important than to be prepared for what is coming. Yes. At the beginning of the uh, discussion today, Denise read a little part from uh, Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, which said about a blessing available for those who read and take to heart the things in this book. And listeners, I want to recommend to you, although you may not be able to understand all the symbols and things in Revelation, that you read Revelation chapter 14 and take it to heart and act on it because, as as, uh, has been pointed out by Will and Jerry and Nick, this is a very important thing. It's a life and death situation where people who refuse to honour God and worship something else, a man-made religion, put themselves in danger of eternal death. So Revelation 14 is the chapter I recommend that you read before the new year and then perhaps base your life on what you read after that. Let's move on. Lydia, I know you've got something to share, something beautiful. Yes, Len. We all know that when Jesus returns, there will be only two classes of people. One group will be those who have submitted to the authority of Satan, to religious and political institutions, and the other group will be those who have fully submitted to Jesus Christ and whose faith is manifested by their keeping the commandments of God. As Pastor Will mentioned before, there will be two classes of people. So we have to decide in which class we want to be part of of it. Well, what about if you don't want to be either or the other? Can you sit on the fence in this matter? I don't think so, Len. Uh, It's, uh, you know, a life and death matter. Can you sit on the fence on uh, that aspect? I don't think so. You either choose one or the other. That's right. Well, in a judgment, you're either guilty or not guilty. There's no half guilty or half not guilty, is there? So we must make our choices to honour Jesus in our lives or honour something else. And there are consequences from each of those things. Joe, is there any excuse for not acknowledging and honouring God? Well, I'll let the Bible answer that question, Len, and I'm reading from Romans 1, 18 to 21 and verses 25 as well. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, 
so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. These verses speak for themselves. Clearly, in short, there is no excuse. The consequences of denying what is plain are devastating, stumbling in the dark to eternal death. Denying and rejecting the very source of life can only lead to death. When they might have had light and a life more abundant, strength and honour, salvation, it's a matter for careful consideration, Lynn. Yes, I believe that's very true. And I was thinking about who do I know who has rejected the light of the world, who's rejected the truth of God's word, and what's what's their hope for the future? And it makes me feel very sad when people who have the plain word of God in front of them turn their backs on it and uh, ignore it because only through Jesus Christ, who the, the Bible, the word of God talks about, can give eternal life. Otherwise, there is no hope, no future. Well, now, we're talking about the end of God's mission, and with every mission, there is always a hope of success. And so how does one measure success? And perhaps more importantly, I should ask, what are the markers of success in God's mission? And there are quite a number of uh, markers that shows the success of God's mission. So let's start off with Jerry. Yes, Len, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, there's a very interesting verse, and it says there, uh, this is a paraphrase again, if you start turning to the right or to the left, you will hear a still, small voice saying, over here is the way, walk in it. So what that's telling me is that if we start to wander off or stray from the narrow path, God will speak to our conscience in order to bring us back into his presence because that's the only place where there is safety. And the Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. It's almost like that's our default mode sometimes. Um, God wants us to be close to where he is and he, and he speaks to us when when we wander off and it's up to us then to respond to that voice and come back. Yes, this reminds me of perhaps people in a, uh, a bushy area following a path and uh, perhaps a child strays off the path and gets lost. This is the way. Walk in it. And this applies to our lives, your lives, listeners. There is a way that uh, we need to follow and if you go to the right or to the left, you could get lost. Well, let's move on to the next measure of success of a mission. And Denise, would you like to share this with us? 
Sure, Lynn. It's found in John 10, uh, verse 27, but I'm going to read more than verse 27 because there's a cluster of verses here that apply. And it's about the metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd. And verse 27 says, and I'm reading from the clear word, my sheep recognize my voice and I know them and they follow me without hesitation. And just before this, it was talking about those who don't follow. So we're talking about a a choice here. In verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life. They will not perish, nor will anyone be able to take them away from me. And in verse 29, the father who put the sheep under my care is greater than anyone. No one can take them out of his hand. So the success is about those who choose to listen and follow God and the rewards that they receive. Um, And there are a significant group of people who do that. Yes. So the answer to this, if I can uh, abbreviate it somewhat, the success of mission, God's mission, is that people follow Jesus. It's like Queen Elizabeth said in her 2008 Christmas message. And I was interested to hear her son, King Charles, said something very similar. But Queen Elizabeth said, the world would do well to follow the example and teachings of Jesus Christ. And I was very pleased to hear King Charles say something quite similar to that in his Christmas message. All right, now we move to a third one. Nick, another marker of showing of success in God's mission. Yes, Len, indeed, uh, in the Gospel of John, in uh, chapter 16, we read uh, these uh, verses from 12, 12 and 13. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, what a wonderful uh, message and encouragement for us all. Even though at times we may not understand everything, but the promise is that the Holy Spirit will come into our life to reveal to us to help us to understand. And so often Holy Spirit is misused in any other ways. But I believe one of the most important characteristics or attributes of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us all God's truth and to convince us of wrongdoing, to help us to realize that we are sinners and we are in need of repentance to turning back to turning back to God. What a wonderful uh, message! God has everything in place as we studying today for our salvation. God will not leave any gaps, and in the end, to say, "Oops, I forgot about that." Everything is particularly, particularly planned and designed that me and you, my dear friend, will have that opportunity to really know God. 
and give my life to him and live with him for eternity. Yes, that's uh, very important that the Spirit guides us into truth. Now, I want to just ask a uh, an off-the-cuff question. I've known of people who claimed to have the Holy Spirit leading in their lives, and they claimed that the Holy Spirit would guide them. And yet, on at least two occasions that I know of, these people said that the Holy Spirit made it unimportant to follow the truth as it is in the Word of God. To be specific, the Bible says the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord our God. He made it. That's the truth of the matter. The Sabbath was an institution begun by God. And yet these people who claimed to be guided by the Holy Spirit said the Spirit said that doesn't matter. Has anybody got a comment on that? Yes, Joe. I would say, as it says in Isaiah, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Mm-hmm. There is no light in the spirit that is speaking to them. Yes, I think that's important because the Apostle John said that we are to test the spirits because some spirits, evil spirits, would take us away from the truth. Jerry, you have a comment. Yes, uh, I think too many people are guided by feeling rather than by the word of God. That becomes the determining factor. We should not be guided by feeling. We should submit every feeling to the word of God if it doesn't, as Joe said, if it doesn't match that, then we know that it's not true. Yes. I think that's a very important statement, Jerry, because sometimes we feel good, we think it is good, Mm. but uh, that's not necessarily the case. Nick? I just want to say that uh, we don't want to put off or to blame or to disagree with those people who use uh, those expressions in that way. I just, many times I came across people who have different opinion and I'll say, hey, because all these Christians, they have some good things. Of course. They do. I say, do those things and don't let the other things undone. I mean, it's not good enough just to do uh, parts. That's what uh, we, we're talking about here. God is inviting us for the whole truth. And uh, I just read a bit earlier there that God is guiding us into all truth. This is important, I believe. And I have great admiration and also great hopes for those people who are standing for God and even sometimes they misunderstanding things. That's what we are here to do a Bible study, <laughs> to talk about these things, to open it up, to understand. And it's nothing wrong to say, oh, well, I may, you know, slept into uh, one direction or the other in this matter. No. God will receive us when we are sincerely coming to him and say, Forgive us, Lord, for what we've done. Help us to live 
um, life in accordance with your will. Yes. It wasn't my intention in what we were just um, diverted into saying to criticise anybody, but uh, to point out that there is a danger if there is a difference between what the uh, Holy Spirit is claimed to have said and what the Bible has said or has to say. The two must be married. They go together. You can't have one in opposition to the other. Well, now another measure of success is found in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Will? Then a characteristic marker of those who are saved is that they love the truth. Because the text you have given, Second Thessalonians 2, verse 10, says, those who are perishing... Are they that refuse to love the truth and so to be saved? So the marker of those who are saved is that they love the truth. Yes, thank you. To love the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And we were talking about this this morning at home and how important it is to understand that the freedom part of knowing the truth. That's another study on itself. Another marker of success in God's mission is found in 1 John chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Joe. Yes, I'll just read that. Um, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit, which he hath given us. Now, in these verses, uh, Lens, success of God's mission is made evident by, one, belief in Jesus. Number two, this belief leads to genuine unselfish love of one another. And three, the obedience to the word of God. And four, there is a presence of the Holy Spirit in the life which will be evident by a desire to follow God fully as expressed in his word and not by my desires, imagination or fancy. Thank you. All right. Well, now another one. And Lydia, would you share the verse and tell us what it is? Yes, we can uh, read in Revelation uh, chapter 7, verse um, 13 and 14. These in white robes are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So this is the group of people who remain stead steadfast to God's principles in their lives. And they chose to be faithful to God. And in the end, their clothes, their robes are white, washed in the blood of Jesus, which it means their character remained pure and clean ready to meet Jesus. Yes, I love that. And uh, in a minute I'm going to ask you, how do you face up 
or how do you um, uh, rate according to this? We'll go through these points in a moment. And the last one that we're going to talk about today, how to measure the success of God's mission, Nick? Yes, Len, this is a beautiful passage. It's the climax, actually, of the three angel message. Because uh, it says in this translation, which I'm reading up from um, New International uh, Version, it says, He calls for patience, endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. You know, other translations say here is the patience of the saints who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. This includes, you know, not only our, um, as was mentioned, our daily walk with Jesus in our own faith, but to be pointed to the Ten Commandments, to follow the commandments. Not as some may say that the uh, Ten Commandments have been done away with, or uh, the law of God, in other words. Uh, in, in John uh, says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. All right. Well, now I'm just going to um, go through the checklist. So see how God's mission has been accomplished in you. To walk in God's ways, that's number one. Number two, follow Jesus. Number three, that the Holy Spirit is working in you, guiding you to truth. And number four, to love the truth, to be saved. And number five, that Christ lives in us. Number six, to be pure, having been cleansed through the blood of Jesus. And lastly, to keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Now, you don't have to answer these questions or this checklist, but there you can see if God is successful in you. All right, we've got a couple of questions to go before the end. So, Denise, quickly, what is the extent of God's mission? Is it limited or is it exclusive or is it non-exclusive? What? Well, in Matthew 24, verse 14, Len, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So it's not exclusive. Salvation and the gospel are open to everybody and every nation, kingdom, tongue, and people. Okay. So everybody can be included. Well, what happens when God's mission of saving the lost is completed, Will? Len, we just speak about the final, last, climactic event in this old world's, world's history. I'd love to read it straight from God's word. First Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 3. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, You have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, 
Then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 to 18, describes that final beautiful event to which we all look forward to. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Then he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. What a grand climax mm-hmm. to this world's history. The second coming of Jesus, the resurrection and the reward of the saints, Len. Yes, and that closes the book on God's mission to save lost humanity. Joe, what has God planned for those who accept and honour him? I've got some beautiful texts here from Revelation 21, 1 to 4. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. What a contrast to what we have now. This is God's will to rid the world of the curse of sin. Suffering will finally end the reality we all hope for. Just let me read that last verse. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. What a promise. What a promise to look forward to, to comfort us. Yes, yes, I feel very much the same. We live in a world riddled with disease, sin, problems, whatnot. God never intended that should happen. This has come in because of sin. And there's another summary statement, Jerry, that I'd like you to share today. Yes, Lynn, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. It reminds me of what I read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. it What God has prepared for us exceeds our greatest desires our wish and our wishes and expectations. We cannot imagine what God has prepared for us. But I'm looking forward to it, Len. 
and I'm Me sure too. we all are. Me too. Yes, all right. Well, listeners, man cannot even conceive what God has planned for his people. We now live in a world where sin, disease, pain, sorrow and death are accepted as normal. None of these things were in God's plan when he made man at creation, nor is it in God's plan for the future. As part of God's mission, we, your panel, have been sharing what is available to each and every individual, eternal life. Of course, at the same time, Satan, the originator of all evil, has been doing his utmost to blind people to the reality of God and the truth of his word through deceptive teachings, unbelief, and filling people's lives up with junk. Dear listeners, God's mission is to reach you with the good news of salvation. However, ultimately the final decision is yours to accept or reject. Christ gave his life for you. For why won't you consider giving your life to him? There is everything to gain and nothing to lose. What do you say, panel? Amen. 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 Well, let's conclude. Joe, would you conclude this study and this series of studies with prayer? Certainly. Father in heaven, we have come to the end of our discussion panel yet again and the end of our series. Much has been said and there is much to think about. One thing is for sure, and that is that you are not willing that any should perish, that all are your children whom you are waiting for to come home. The angels are ready to rejoice when just one sinner returns, not the 99 righteous, but the one lost lamb. And our prayer is that all who hear will take courage and reach out to you because you are so near. We all need you and long to be better than what we are now. Help us to grow. Help us to encourage each other. Help us to um, help one another as we grow together until that day when Jesus will appear to bring an end to the suffering, the sin, disease, pain, sorrow, and death, which we now know and accept as normal. We want to be a part of your kingdom of priests in your service. Praise his holy name, and in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for your participation today. It was a great uh, study to look at it. As Joe just prayed, it's much more to look into and to learn. But thank you, my dear friend, listening every week, and thank you for your uh, messages of encouragement and uh, you really help us to be motivated, you know, to share more and to learn together and uh, continue to listen uh, to our uh, broadcasts. I would like to mention that if you missed the offer which we have for all this uh, uh, time under this theme, God's Mission, My Mission, We have that wonderful book still available, The Last Time uh, Today, from us. And that's True Revival. God has done everything what he needed to do. When we talked about the end of God's mission, now it's my part 
to give our hearts to God. If you like to learn more about God and to be revived, why not to claim this offer which we have for today? The code for this offer is SABS2. SA stands for South Australia, BS for Bible study. Just add number two there, no space in between them, and send it to us. The phone number is 0482093883. Again, we appreciate all your comments and uh, may God bless you and uh, be with you through the end of this uh, year and have a wonderful Happy New Year under God's guidance. We are going to study more uh, in the year to come and we are going to open the Bible in the book of, of Psalms. And it will be very good to learn how to read the Psalms or we may be taught how to pray and understand that God is in control and reign. And also that the Lord hears and delivers. These are just few of the uh, Bible studies we'll take in the next year. Until then, may God richly bless you and have a wonderful, safe walk in the footsteps of Jesus. <music>